Okay, that's the first of um, several opportunities y'all are going to have to take vows today. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus um, and how he tells us that we worship in spirit and in truth. And one of the reasons we, we take vows in worship services is because we're trying to say true things. Be true people. Now, is it time to dismiss the children for... Are we doing... I'm lost. No, 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 no. no. I have a lot of logistics going in my head right now, and I'm really just trying to work on the sermon, and I just thought, I'm just, no, it's all right. Thank you, thank you. My insecurities are showing. Um, so... I'm going to read a little bit before what's in your book, before the passage before, uh, and a little after the, what you have in your bulletin. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that which you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, and John tells us, he translates for us, he was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. May God bless the reading and preaching of his word. So over the last three, three weeks or so, and then also throughout the summer, we've been doing these little mini-serieses, um, and I've been preaching on the philosophy of ministry of Redeemer, and you remember the tree, I think it's up here somewhere, we might have it. Yeah, the tree, oh, yeah, the tree. Um, worship, transformation, and service, or worshiping community transformed by God's grace into servants of all. We've been talking about that, um, and there's a lot more to it. I told, I told you that we, we have some fruit up in the tree. I want to talk to you about stuff that's in the ground that feeds the soil, um, but we've also kind of, in, in that mini-series, we're interrupting uh, another set of sermon series called um, Ordinary, or the Extraordinary uh, Life in Christianity, and we had six things that we're going to go through over, over this year. You can go ahead and throw the slide up to that. And I want to put those next to each other because um, I want you to see some of the connections. And, I mean, obviously, the, the graphic design, flawless graphic design. Um, and so, obviously, we're going to work on this so that it can be consumed a little e easier. If we put all the tree, all the fruit up there and everything on the ground, there would be more words than you can handle. But, you know, with me and PowerPoint the day is soon. Um, so we're going through these, these ordinary things that we're talking about here, and it's worship and community and prayer and service and scripture and generosity. And I'm only bringing you these two things together because um, I want you to see what's first in both. Worship. This is the practice of the Christian life. But these things, these six things on the side there, it's, it isn't the Christian life. The Christian life is the dynamic, uh, spirit-born, grace-drenched participation in the love of God in the Trinity. That's the Christian life. 
These are, these are, Jen likes to call them trellises, these six things, these little places where you, you know, you stick in the ground and watch the vine grow. They, they may, you might call them little spaces that we open up um, where God loves to hang out with us in. Um, and this is not an exhaustive list of the practices, but, but just a place where in some ways the magic happens of Christianity as we work and live together. It does the deeper work in some ways. But I do want you to notice that worship is in both of them. Because there's no way around worship. You can go back to the text if you'd like, unless you just want to gaze at its beauty. Um, in our passage today, we see a little fuss between Jesus and this woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And the fuss is about worship, kind of. But it's definitely about worship like, where do you do this thing? What's the right place? Who or what is the right object of worship? Now, admittedly, the woman picks the fight to start, but Jesus doesn't really let up and continues in it and then redirects it pretty amazingly. And he ends up reorienting her entire life around this worship question. He blows up the categories uh, even of the debate of the day. And he says, no, 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 no. God wants people who worship in spirit and in truth. It's super interesting he does that. And the reason... The reason he's doing this is because worship, in our English word, is worth-ship, giving worth. It's the practice, what is worship? The practi- it's, it's a lot of things we could name it in a lot of ways, but it's the, it's the practice of us valuing God out loud with one another as a family. And I don't mean practice like preparation or homework, because it's not about our performance, Every week, every moment of a worship service right now is a chance to begin anew, to value more, to always begin again, to reorient toward worth, his worth. See, the thing about giving something worth is that it actually returns the favor and gives you worth no matter what you're giving worth to. One pastor writes this, he says, worship is simply about value. It's a, it's a response to the thing we value most. That's why worship is that thing we all do. Worship is saying, hey, there's this person, this thing, this experience, this whatever I value most, I give my time, energy, and affection to. It is the highest value in a person's life. This is why there's no real atheist when it comes to talking about worship. Because there's always something that we value the most. He's exactly right, this pastor. There's no such thing as, as not being a worshiper. Because we give worth to things. Every human being in the world worships. And that's why this is so important. That's why there's literally wars going on, both in this passage... 100 years, 200 years before this event, and today. This spicy encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well is so important because it is precisely about the worth we give and the worth we receive and how that works with God. Now, I want to be clear about what Jesus and this woman are talking about. Um, They are talking about the official kind of standard, um, formal, gathered worship of the community. Um, there are lots of types of worship in Scripture, but we're talking about what we would call the worship service, or from a different tradition, the mass or the liturgy. 
That's what they're talking about. But you need some context of these. So you need to know Jesus shows up in Samaria and connects with a woman at a well at midday. They're actually located, the scripture tells us earlier in John 4, um, that they're located in a spot that had some significant historical uh, importance. One of the ancient leaders of Israel before they were split in Samaria, into Samaria and, um, and Judah, Jacob, one of the patriarchs, drank from the same well that they are at. Jesus is exhausted from his journey, so he shows up at the well. She's there getting water from the well, and he asks for a drink. She is flabbergasted by this encounter. You're a man, I think in this day and age, talking to a woman at a well, and you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. He responds, if you knew who you were talking to, you would know that I can provide streams of living water that never ends. She responds, I'm up for that. It's in the Greek. <clears throat> Jesus responds by challenging her. It reads kind of weird for us because he asks where her husband is. It's not totally abnormal, especially what an awkward moment that would have been in the first place, but it just rings a little weird for us. He asks for her husband. She says she doesn't have one. Then Jesus flips the script and said, yeah, I know. You've had five of them, and the dude you're worth ain't one of them. Okay, so this is getting interesting. She dodges, which if you were awkwardly meeting with someone who said something like that to you, she dodges and says, I see you're a prophet. And she says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Total dodge question. Gotta love this, right? But it is about the thing we give most worth to and how we give worth to God. She's asking about one of the top-tier church split, worship war things going on in the day. The Samaritans had set up the temple at Mount Gerizim. That's the locus of their worship. Israel had the OG mountain in Jerusalem. And they were fussing and fighting about that all the time. In fact, 200 years before this, in a frenzied, Yahwistic, nationalistic event, the Jews came in and destroyed Mount Gerizim near the end of the 2nd century B.C. So this was not just an awkward meeting between two people. These are people of religious, ethnic, historical animosities filled, their people filled with mutual contempt for each other. Culturally, this is like a Ukrainian and a Russian at a tea party or a QAnon and a BLM at the water fountain. They've already canceled each other. They don't mingle. This is why it's about worth. Jesus responds with, I get it. I get the debates. He says, woman, believe me, the hour, and woman, that sounds bad too, coming up. That's not bad either. Just The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. And then he goes right in the debate. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Gives her a little theological lesson. And he, so he's just saying, I get the debates, I get this. The Jews have got it right on this one, not you. 
But I am here, he says, and I'm reframing the whole question. Worship is not about national identity or cultural preference, but about God himself and our approaching him truly, in spirit and in truth. Our is coming, he says, and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The in spirit part. Several things could be happening with this. There's a lot of ink spilled about what they mean by spirit, what, he, what Jesus meant when he said this. One of the things that we can be clear about is that the Samaritan theology, kind of their, kind of one of their, their, um, their tenets was this long awaiting for what they would use the language, the spirit of the prophet Moses, and that's who Messiah would be. Remember, Jesus tells her, you've had five husbands, and she replies, in one of the greatest understated comedic moments in all of literature, I see that you're a prophet. <laughs> Jesus is connecting himself to her understanding of the spirit of the prophet Moses, even in her misunderstanding of how all of her theology works. She's in the wrong theologically. He connects her to that. He connects himself to that. But it's much more layered than that. In spirit is about abiding in John. That's the language of um, the vine and the branches. Abide in him as, we, uh, 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 as he abides in the Father. And apart from him, we can do nothing. No growth. I had a very sad week. I had to, I had, I had to pay for the cutting down of a 115-foot tree in my side yard. When those big storms came a couple weeks ago, it just went, Reep. I called several experts, and each of them said, yep, it's going to fall. But two of them pointed out a certain type of mushroom that was at the bottom, the base of the tree. And they were like, see there? I was like, bringing all my fungal infection wisdom, nodded my head like, of course I see that. I mean, who doesn't see that? He was saying it's rotting. Worshiping in spirit means being connected to the valuable nutrient of God, who is God himself, his spirit, your spirit. There's a reason why John 4 starts with Jesus being the, the one who provides living water, and then after this event, he talks to his disciples about the harvest that is coming. Jesus said, I've come to give you the valuable stuff, the stuff that makes life worth living, the spirit stuff that brings growth and grace. Jesus is actually saying, worshiping in the spirit is worshiping with me, in me, me. And I will give you life where it matters most. Spiritual worship is not emotion, though it involves it. It's actually connection with the spirit of the living God who is invisible, immortal, full of grace, who loves to gather his people together under the banner of his love. He's looking at her and saying, spiritual worship, worship in spirit, is generated by me. And it brings clarity about God's worth to you. And frankly, your worth to God. 
Sunday morning worship recalibrates our view of the triune God and our place before him. Because of our brokenness and our sin, we, are, we have spiritual amnesia, no doubt. We forget who Jesus is, who God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are, and what he's done for us and who we are in him. But Sunday morning re- recalibrates and, and, and reminds us of what is true, good, and beautiful. And the scriptures all over the place says that he will meet us there, inhabit the praises of his people. See, we're actors in worship. We're just not the directors. We show up because we believe he is active in it, and he first meets. That's why we start a worship service with his call to worship. He is calling us. No matter how misshapen our worship might be, how matter imperfect, how paltry our praises are, what we're doing is saying, meet us here, O Lord. Show us yourself, and let that gaze upon you shape us to what is true and beautiful. We don't see God's worth by figuring out the right place or figure out exactly how to do everything, but by relying on the Spirit. Of course we have His Word to guide us in many things. But I need you to hear this, my friends. If Redeemer loses his building, goes broke, has no energy whatsoever, you can't stop worship. We are not a church that holds worship services. We are a worshiping community that does some stuff. Now that's in the spirit, but what about in truth? Think about it as uh, uh, worshiping in truth as worshiping truly and truthfully. That's what he does for this woman. He's basically looking at her and says, look, I know that you're theologically off. You're wrong. I know your life is a mess. It's wrong. You're pursuing worth in relationships or security or staying busy or whatever. Now stop all the theological dodges. Don't miss the point, he says. Worship is about showing up as your true self to a true God who can truly transform you about the stuff that truly matters. You are made to value the most important things in the universe and to not value lies. And the most important thing in the universe is the God who made us. Truth is a gift, even if it hurts and disrupts and creates awkward, well conversations. He wants us to worship in that truth, not because he likes to tally all the places that we are wrong, but because he loves us to approach uh, him as as we truly are, as he truly is. So of course you have to ask your questions. Is my heart really in it on a Sunday morning? Or just going through the motions? Did I really intend and hold the vows I just make, or will make in a minute, that I really hold them as true? Am I, is it truthful, and truly, am I truly there? They're haunting questions. But don't hear me wrong. I am not saying that if your heart is not in it, then you can't worship God. Please, that is not true. It's only when you're faking that your heart's not in it that you can't worship God. 
when you're not feeling it, when you're struggling to believe, when you don't have as much faith or hope, you can't seem to see the worth, that's when we come to him in worship and truth. I cannot tell you how many times that this happens for me. Here. (laughs) Innumerable times. Your voices, your singing, the truth you proclaim, the scriptures that are coming from God to us, they take me up in a way. They carry me long in a way. And I'm going, God, I'm just, I don't have the faith I want. Now I've got to go talk about faith in Jesus and stuff, and I don't know what to do. And he meets us here, even in our brokenness. And you can worship in spirit and truth when your faith feels faint. And yet worship isn't just worshiping authentically. That's important, but it's actually worshiping the true God. That's why Jesus is so clear about who he is in this passage. You may be asking yourself, how do I know what I worship? (laughs) It's kind of hard to hear, but it's easy to discern. That same pastor I quoted earlier wrote, you simply follow the trail of your time, your affection, your energy, your money, and your allegiance. And when you walk down that trail, at the end of it will be a throne. Whatever sits on that throne is what you worship. He goes on to say, no one says I worship my stuff or my health. I worship pleasure. I worship her or him. I worship my body or your body. I worship my safety. No one says that, but the trail doesn't lie. It was what the woman at the well's problem was. She was distracting and distracted by all these other things. But Jesus is graciously redirecting her to worship the true God, her creator and her savior. So if you're struggling with this concept, this participation in giving worth to God, and it's okay. Jesus loved this woman in his spirit, in full truth, and was patient and kind with her in the middle of it. Patient and kind and harsh. Jesus pursued her with this incredible love. Remember, men aren't supposed to have conversations with women in their day, especially not a rabbi, especially not a Jewish rabbi and a Samaritan woman who is probably there in midday because she's probably not got a little with a lot of friends over there because the gossips of town and the mommy mafia has shunned her. That's why she's not getting water with everybody else. But Jesus calls her to himself. He pushes away when she's doing all this stuff about the locations and theological debate. She pushes, he pushes all that away. And he, he sits there with her. He breaks down all the barriers that would separate him, showing her his worth and hers in reflection. All God's doing in calling us to worship in spirit and truth is to have us value the most important thing in all of reality, which is the God who made us. So we can experience 
the Father so we can worship in spirit and truth. The story ends with this, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus says, yeah, that's, that's me. She runs back to town. A woman by herself, steeped in communal shame, runs back to town and declares the Messiah is here. Jesus is the one that's worthy of all of our worship. It ain't on either mountain. The one that can bring us to our true selves. The one who is worth it all. Let's pray. Jesus, you are kind to us. We, we often do not grasp your worth. Help us not walk in shame in that but lean into you and trust that you'd like to make, make us new and make us see again the value you are in the world and to us. We pray in your name. Amen.